Welcome back to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome to our watch club for Star Wars The Bad Batch. Look at this. These are not clone troopers. Ha! That's what I've been trying to tell you. These are our replacements, if you can believe that. Attention, and welcome back to Watch Club. My name is CTO831, but you can call me Hugs. And this is our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch, Episode 14, titled War Mantle. If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series, as well as Star Wars in general. So if you haven't watched this week's episode, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we get any more hollow messages from Rex, let me introduce you to our experimental crew of ragtag troopers. First up, he's taller than a Jawa, smaller than Jabba, and just as entertaining as Jar Jar. He's CT1231, also known as Edit. It's the beginning of the end, boys. Here it starts. It's we got starting our snowball. Now. Yeah, we got the snowball start. <laughs> and dropping in from the sky, way up high, we have the dopest, dankest dude on Dagobah, CT1006, but you can call him Joints. Yes, finally a good one. <laughs> yes. And rounding out our small battalion, we are so glad to have rescued and are now joined by CT0701, but you can call him Sevens. He's Jesse Marino joining us for the first time on Watch Club. How you doing, Jesse? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Dude, we are stoked to get all batchy with you. I'm happy that the uh, the Star Wars gods have blessed us with a good episode. Filoni has blessed us with a good episode for our uh, first guest of this series, um, before we kind of dive a little further, um, you know, would you mind introducing yourself and maybe uh, talk a little bit about um, when you started to watch or fall in love with the animated side of Star Wars? Okay, well, uh, Leon, like Nate said, uh, I'm Jesse, uh, longtime friend of Nate's, uh, and I'm meeting everyone else here for the first time, so it's 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 good to get to meet you all. But I. Yeah, no. So my love for Star Wars started a long time ago, um, and it just—I hadn't watched the movie. My mom just brought a, uh, a Darth Vader helmet home from the movie theater one day, and I put it on as a child, and I was like, "What is this?" And from then, I just—I just loved it. I fell in love with the universe. But the thing is, is I'd only ever watched the movies and played a couple of the games, and that was it. And it actually wasn't until The Mandalorian um, when I finally realized, "Wait a second, there's more to this universe than." these movies tell and i watched through it and i remember asking nate at one point who's this woman with the two lightsabers and why is everyone freaking out when she showed up on screen he goes you don't know who that is and so then cue me trying to binge watch the entirety of clone wars and in doing so uh falling in love with it all over again and seeing all of the little bits and pieces of the lore and the politics and the stories and the sort of the, the pain and the, the, the heartfelt moments that happened that without it, I just, it's a totally different story. So that's, that's really where my love came from. And I'm so happy that I was able to catch up all the way, finish all Clone Wars before the Bad Batch started. And now here we are. Very cool. Uh, but listen, mm-hmm. before we all get caught and tortured by the Empire, let's get your high level thoughts on the episode itself. Uh, Sevens, 
Let's start with yourself. Well, I was worried that we were going to have another one of uh, another filler episode for today. I, I watched yeah. I watched the last one. I was like, well, it's, yeah, like it was there was some explosions and some moments, but <laughs> like nothing happened. And so for for today, I, I watched the episode actually today. I wanted to watch it fresh uh, right before coming together with you. And I was so happy to see that there was so many things all brought up all at once uh, to see new character designs that sort of lead into um, what I'm sure is I, the only thing I haven't seen is Rebels. I'm not worried about spoilers. Go for it. If, if, we, if, we, if we get into things like that, I'm sure we will. Um, but I haven't seen it. But to know that like we're kind of getting into the uh, like evolution of, uh, of the troopers and seeing that transition um, from the clones uh, to the conscription troopers, you know, as a kid, I never understood the difference. And now just seeing the backstory behind it, you know, I feel like every time I watch another episode, I want to watch all the movies again. Uh, and there were so many little moments in this episode, so many tiny pieces that made me just sort of think about all of the things I've been missing and how I'm It's so excited to be part of this live with people now. Finally, I've never watched Star Wars like up to date and recent with other people. So, yeah, this was a fantastic episode. And I think I've... Uh, um, there's, there's, there's going to be a lot to talk about, so I'm excited for it. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, edit. What about yourself? Yeah, um, I, I love the episode as well. I think it's, as I was saying right at the top of the show, this is the beginning of the end, uh, uh, whether it be the, the end of the season or the end of the series. We don't know, obviously, but it is the beginning of us wrapping up a 16-episode season. So uh, the, the stakes were raised in this episode, which I really appreciated. Uh, there there was some some conflict, some real conflict that that actually has an impact on the, on the bigger story. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited to see where things are going to go. And it was also uh, a good sort of validation just to see what was unfolding in this episode as we've you know previously discussed about things like, you know, Jesse mentioned the transition from from clones to the troopers to, you know, what's going to happen with Camino. Uh, there's there's just a lot that really this episode served up. And, and you know, it's a shame that there's only two episodes left. Though. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, joints. Give it to me. Uh- yeah, like uh, like Justin was saying there, uh, everything that happened in this episode has impact in some way or other. Whether it's introducing a character that we haven't seen in this era yet, or you know, calling back to the the original Star Wars with those trooper designs that we that we see in this episode. Just everything that happens in it happens for a reason and has an impact. Unlike the filler episodes that we've gotten before, where they were so oh, characters introduced, but that's you know it. That's all that happens. There's no reason for the character to yeah. be there other than to just shoehorn in someone that we already know this one has meaning to everything and i just i, I really like this episode yeah especially after the two st- the few stinkers that we've had in the past oh my like, gosh i would talking even, about i'd even say joints after the past four or five episodes yeah. we've gotten we've finally gotten back to a quality adventure yeah it's and like, i think why those four episodes even have to happen a hundred percent and I, I, again we can talk about that but i think you know this story takes elements of some of those other episodes and then elevates those ideas into a story that continues the overarching plot, not only for the Empire, but for our Bad Batch. And it was just, it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't just the plot even. It was like the visuals, the music, the sound design were all so Star Wars in the best ways for me. And I'm just so happy that we're getting what seems to be like a three-arc structure to carry out the last few moments with this crew. Again, to Justin's point, however, unless we do get a season two, uh, which I, I everyone's crossing their fingers for. We're really hoping that happens. Um, but guys, let's let's get right into this plot. So the episode starts and we see a clone running through a dimly lit forest 
with a few uh, what are called massifs uh, hot on his heels. While he bobs and weaves to escape, he's unable to, ultimately resulting in the capture uh, by the in his capture by the Empire. So let's start right there, just really briefly. What did you think of this opener? And like myself, did you notice the difference in the quality of the visuals in this episode right off the bat? Yeah, I, I think that this really set up that, you know, this episode is leading into something else. This was where the story begins. There is these sort of quick visuals. And, and I think that this is this is what we're looking for, not just a, a, a simple sort of opening that is leading to the events of the episode, but like it's something that's a little bit more enticing for a bigger picture. So I feel like be, him being chased and stuff like that, you know, the, it, it obviously insinuates who are, who are these people and what do they want with him and, and all of these other sort of questions that I, I you, you know that aren't necessarily going to be answered right in this episode, but does set up for a bigger conflict. Yeah, you nailed it. The the pacing of the episode was so fantastic with that opening moment. It, the mystery, yes. right? Just the instant mystery. But it was also done in a way that was, um, uh, it, it wasn't as heavy handed, right. right? It was it was very uh, light, like and, the other episodes and, that we've had, right? Like this is right. this is this is meant to be light because it's going to be explored further in this further. In this episode <laughs> and in remaining episodes. I, I just thought it was cool because if this is, like Justin said, the beginning of a three-part closing storyline, it really calls back to the beginning of the series where you have Caleb Doom on the run from the Bad Batch. So yes. it's very interesting to have that that parallel almost right off the bat. And it's it's really cool, even down to the gorge effect when he comes up and he's got nowhere else to run, but he can't make that jump, so he knows he's going to get caught. It was very it was very unique, and I thought that was a really cool way to, again, start the closing arc of the series. Or season, sorry. And you called you called bookends. Like obviously, we'll obviously get to the end of this episode, but there's another bookend, right? And mm-hmm. I, I, again, I love that. I talk about it every, almost all the time in this podcast. How much I love that uh, from a narrative standpoint, and even just the animation being so elevated in this episode, mm-hmm. right? Like the the first thing you see is that big mountain, and I was just like, oh, okay, this episode, this is this episode matters just from seeing it. Jesse, what did you think of uh, these these opening moments? Uh, the first thing I noticed was the visuals and. I think you hit on the head there. Like that opening scene there uh, really displays where the budget went for the episode that we, that was before this, right? Because the whole thing, it's, it's, sure. like, it's like when you watch it, it's like Friends, right? If there's an entire episode that's all inside of Central Perk, the next episode's going to be out somewhere that costs them a little bit more to get that episode done, right? They, you know, they save money here to spend money there. And so I think these filler episodes, the reason we had so many of them coming up in a row is you know the think how many scenes were in the last in the last episode right there was the you know the the hive and then there was the bar and that was it like and the, the hive was dark there was nothing to, there was nothing there mm-hmm. so you see the hive stuff in the dark exactly yeah. so the yeah. amount of time and resources that went into building that episode was actually borrowed and brought into this and i was a little worried that we might not see the fruits of that labor or that sort of that time sharing or resource sharing um so quickly but to Nate's point to see it come to fruition so quickly like immediately hey by the way this is why you stared at a dark cave for the last you know the the last 30 minutes is so you can look at this incredible like these amazing set pieces this amazing forest with intense detail uh you know and all of these troopers and the amount of things happening all at once like it was a spectacle for the eyes just as much was for the plot and pushing that forward so yeah just in that first piece there was it was a breath of fresh air i was just excited especially thinking okay we can't have another filler we're getting to the end of the season we're now this is where all the resources have gone and i'm just so excited for it to come well that's that's 
Jesse, you're making too much sense. You can't be. You can't come onto this podcast and make sense of this. We we love talking trash about those episodes, and you're coming in here justifying them. But uh, no, it's all good. It's all good. You're let's get back to the let's get back to the plot here. Well, the Bad Batch is in the middle of a job for Sid. The group gets a message from Rex uh, about an old ally in need of some rescue from the planet Daro. A cloaked Rex appears in a hollow message and tells Clone Force 99 that he's a bit tied up at the moment doing something, um, or else he would go rescue CC5576. Uh, Hunter, being Hunter, he's, you know, he's hesitant to go off on another mission with little intel other than who they need to rescue and, and who's asking them. Uh, but Omega being Omega, she quickly wins him over with some later help from Echo, who reminds the group of their mission to rescue him from torture and dismemberment on Skako Minor. While Wrecker and Omega stay back on the ship as the getaway drivers, Hunter, Tech, and Echo quickly and stealthily travel through the facility and find CC5576, who tells them he goes by the name Gregor. So, what did you think of seeing CC5576, also known as Gregor, yet again in this episode? I'm going to go over to Joints to kick us off for this one. I was thrilled, because at first I was like, oh, it's a no-named trooper, and stuff like that. And then we get the name drop that we oh, we know this guy already, and again, it, there's meaning to it. It's now we know where he is or was up until this right. point, and there are stakes whether or not they're going to be able to get him out of there right. type thing. So, it was... I love the introduction again. It's uh, I, I like to see that he hasn't gone, you know, full on rebels blown crazy yet. Right. But uh, you can definitely see it peeking out every now and then. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I love the character and just seeing the, the growth that we're going to get. At least oh, it's awesome. He was a wild card, man. And I think that yeah. like they, they definitely got like a younger wild card version of him. But to your point, it, it, it made it matter that much more that it was him. Right. Like if it wasn't just a trooper. It was Gregor. Right. So it's like it, 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 it mattered. And that does right off the bat set those stakes for for what the what the episode needs to accomplish. Yeah. Hearing that crazy laugh throughout the episode. <laughs> yeah. is, you know, it, 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 I got to say, like for that voice, like it still blows my mind how well D. Bradley Baker just masterfully like switches between these characters in in the booth and like he hasn't probably done that voice in quite some time right so to see him and so easily it. bring it back absolutely jesse were you a big fan of gregor uh in the clone wars well because it, it, it remind me if i'm wrong it's just the it's the one episode there where it's the the droid sort of squad hanging out and trying to get trying to get rest. yeah so the first thought for me the second he said gregor i was like how did you survive that? There was a lot of there was a lot of yeah. boom boom happening there, uh, and you know what? If anything, you know, and again, like I said, full honesty, as someone who hasn't seen Rebels and is excited to to, to know that, and you know, I did look into the character and I saw that there was going to be a little bit more to him, which I'm so so excited for. Um, but for me, I'm like, that's you know, is the fact that maybe he didn't get out of that completely unscathed part of the reason why he develops into a bit more of an eccentric character, possibly. Um, but for me, it was just, a, it was exciting to see that, you know, we, we followed that storyline sort of with Echo with someone who you thought was gone is not. We're seeing that again with Gregor. Um, and I don't think it's a cop out. I, you know, in some ways, you know, I, I hate when, you know, someone is so clearly and obviously dead and they pull sort of those, those heartstrings in that way and they make it so clean and obvious and then somehow invent some new thing that causes that to not happen. This could totally be attributed to um, good armor, uh, you know, just, you know, whatever happened to Echo. Like, there's so many different things that can cause this to happen. So I didn't think it pulled from the story. Um, if anyone in my position was surprised by Gregor's return, who hadn't seen their return in uh, Rebels, 
uh, I, don't, I don't think it pulled from that. I wasn't distracted by that at all. I was just happy, excited, and on to the next, you know, uh, plot moment. So I was happy. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, man. And speaking of happy, it just made me so happy to see Omega do that little knife flip thing in response to yeah. seeing Hunter do it she early tried. in the episode. Right at the beginning, and she does a little like, oh, a good effort. so cute. She's listen, I go back and forth with Omega. I was like, I was like, I don't like this character. Then I was like, I love this character. And I was like, I don't know if I like this character. And then I'm like, now I'm just back again. She won me over. Can, um, b- before we go to the next part, though, can we one thing yeah. we, when they were in that ship there, I, I think this was the thing I was most afraid of when when first introduced to the Bad Batch and Wrecker as a character. Uh, the the meathead character has been done so many times. I think that obviously throughout this entire season, we've seen so many moments where he is more than just a meathead. He's more than just the brawn. Uh, and he does have so much cool nuance to his character. Uh, but I legitimately was laughing out loud when he was making those. You have a good point. She has a good point. <laughs> no, no, that, he's got a good point. That oh, yeah. was, Ken's got a good point too. It was too, such yeah. <laughs> simple writing, but it was so on point for his character. And it was genuinely hilarious. And it was totally worth having in that scene. And it, it was it was good. Sometimes it's over the top, but that was not. That was a perfect execution of comedy, and I loved it. Good stuff. Uh, All right, let's keep going here. While rescuing Gregor was the crux of their mission, the Bad Batch also discover some unsavory secrets about the Empire and the future of the clone troopers. The facility where they find Gregor isn't listed anywhere tech can uh, access at first, and they don't know who exactly is running it or why. Before getting more details from Gregor, they find the facility is being guarded by dozens of clone commandos and a thousand new soldiers known as TK Troopers. As they try to blast their way out of the facility after getting caught, of course, Hunter, Echo, and Tech discover the TK Troopers aren't actually clones. Gregor explains these troopers volunteered to serve the Empire and that he was ordered to help train them. He tells the Batch that they are our replacements. That and the episode's title point to the Empire's Project War Mantle, which was the program to rid the ranks of clone troopers in favor of non-clone soldiers, who would eventually become known as, of course, stormtroopers. These TK troopers, a common imperial designation for stormtroopers, also sport armor that's clearly the next step. I, can't, I don't think it's the exact armor, but it's definitely the next step in the transition from clone armor to stormtrooper armor. So I see everybody getting, they're all getting uncomfortable in their chairs right now. They're like, let's get, dig into this. Let's talk about that armor. What did you think of our first look at what will become stormtroopers? Joints. Uh, I was uh, Nate already knows uh, what I think about the armor because as soon as we finish the episode, we try not to talk to each other. But I immediately was like, "Dude, though that armor is straight up Ralph McQuarrie concept art storm stormtroopers." So it was really cool to see that worked into the history of the stormtroopers. Now it's both like in our world and in canon. It's the history of the stormtrooper, and I thought that was incredible way to like tie it all together. So I thought it was really cool. Yeah, no, I, that's that was exactly what I was going to call out. Is it was a clear way of taking Ralph McQuarrie's design, his original design, and integrating it as part of actual Star Wars canon history. Um, I really did like how they also identified the leading clone trooper. I, I imagine was the one with the blue, with the blue uh, sort of light in his helmet. So the clone he, commando dude. Yeah, the clone commando was was definitely was definitely the highlight of like just seeing how. 
again, we were, we're talking about this in, in past episodes, this like we're at a very unique point within Star Wars history where it is a transition, right? We, we've already gotten those hints of like trying to move away from the clones and how do they grow the army even more? We know stormtroopers are, are going to be coming in. So this is the way that we're seeing that. So I think that this would have been great to be something that was introduced much earlier than you know sure. the last three episodes, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I I do think though, like like for anyone who's played Republic Commando on the original Xbox, like phenomenal to see, right? Jesse, you played you played Republic Commando? It was actually re released on the PS4, and I and I played it not too long ago. Oh, it's so good. And I will say, like, they're nowhere near as badass as they should have been <laughs> because they're they're not doing too well in this episode. Uh, but it was super cool to see clone commandos uh, and especially to see them leading the new recruits. I think that makes a lot of sense based on their their rank. Um, I do love speaking of the armor. I love how you visually see the Bad Batch. Their armor seems to be getting darker and darker and darker as the series goes on. And we see these troopers now with even more like white armor as they start to become a little more trilogy, original trilogy esque or or Ralph McQuarrie esque, and uh, and I just love I love those that that small visual touch, um, and and it's cool because in this episode we do get a slightly more um, uh, less vague visual imagery of like seeing Lambda class shuttles taking off. Right. Let's talk about that music. You hear the music, like the the Storm original. <laughs> yeah, that's like the stormtrooper. You hear it in on uh, in a New Hope when yeah. Luke and the gang are We're running around the, the Death, Death Star. Star. Yeah, yeah. It's so freaking good. Yeah. Um, and I also noticed and I loved how the Bad Batch. Again, you see them. They're always set to stun, right? Because they know that these people aren't necessarily bad. Because they they came from there, uh, and and we also see that those stormtroopers can't shoot for for crap. Uh, last thing I want to just mention: Gonky finally useful mm-hmm. as both a table in this episode and a battery. So let's go, Gonky! <laughs> well, He's killing it. Uh, just while you're bringing up Gonk, uh, I I watched it on. Uh, I had I've watched it twice, and the second time with subtitles on, just because I you know just in case I miss anything. And uh, when when it's Gonk, that's his name, just Gonk, right? Yeah. When he yeah. comes to the rescue and he's like, hey. It actually in the subtitle says Gonky Honks. And it's my favorite thing. It says Gonky Honks. Gonky Honks. I loved it. So just in case you didn't watch it with subtitles on, just know that that's what he does. Gonky Honks. Gonky Honks. Oh, hashtag Gonky Honks. I love Crucial that. Crucial so information much. for you. No, that's fantastic. Oh, very cool. All right, um, let's uh, let's keep going here. So, with the Empire beginning to recruit troopers from around the galaxy, the clone-creating Kaminoans are facing the end of their importance to the new government. War Mantle jumps back to Kamino several times throughout the episode, showing Vice Admiral Rampart ordering all the clones to leave the planet, mm. and Prime Minister Lama Su attempting to form an escape plan for his people. Rampart, of course, learns that of this evacuation plan and thwarts it by claiming scientist Nalase for the Empire and telling Lama Su he doesn't really have a use for a politician in his new order. He leaves Prime Minister he leaves the Prime Minister behind with two troopers, which is implying that either he was executed or he was taken into custody. So my question here is twofold. Number one, which is it? Is Lama Su dead or in custody? And number two, if the Empire is truly giving up on cloning for now, what use is Nala say to Rampart? I, I think it goes without saying cloning is a huge part of still a, a secret project within the Empire. And this just kind of hints at that even more. Right. Um, I, I don't think that they're abandoning 
cloning as much as they are abandoning clone troopers, right? Because now right. that they have more uh, stance and, I guess, weight in the galaxy, they can recruit actual people and not necessarily need to be spending so much money on developing clones, right? But they can still have projects related to cloning. So I think that makes sense as to why they would retain her, um, you know, not getting too much into the, you know, thinking outside of the box, of course, about what that might mean. But I think it's interesting. It, it shows that we were we were on the right path of what we were thinking based on what they had already kind of seeded through the season, that this is the inevitable end of the Kaminoans. I, I think, first of all, I think the prime minister's dead. I don't think they needed to keep him around. Uh, no. Two, I've had a feeling for a long time, ever since seeing the relationship between, what's her name? Nama? Nalase. Namase. Her relationship with Omega at the beginning gave yeah. me this weird vibe that she was on a little bit of a different wavelength uh, and had some sort of an itch uh, with the whole operation, whether it was the way it was running, whether it was whatever it was, the the, the relationships and the contracts, uh, contract to the Republic or now Empire, something seemed weird. I don't know. I, I didn't know what it was. And it obviously it's, we're no longer the relationship's gone because they've been apart for so long. And I just kind of thought it was never going to be a thing. But immediately how quickly we saw her come back and go, we have found out about this plan to evacuate, you know, Camino. The first thought in my head was she ratted him out. And you know what? It's, you know, what's way more valuable to the empire, the technology and the science, not the politics. And she knows that the prime minister is just the politician. So she knows I can save myself. I, I, I will have work. I will have value. I will be protected I don't need him. He needs me, not the other way around. Right. So I, I don't know. I have this gut feeling that She's she ratted herself. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes her so much more badass Absolutely. as a character. Absolutely. I love it. The second it was her coming back and I was like, that's it. I, I'm sticking. That's my headcanon. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm on the other side of the boat. She seems to care more about like the clones more than just being weapons or the things like a, a product to sell. So to, I don't see her turning her back on them so quickly and siding with the empire she's clearly been against that the whole thing so i wouldn't Mm. see her flipping boats so quickly and the fact that we didn't see you know the prime minister either get apprehended or hear the blaster fire after those door closed he's definitely got to still be alive probably in custody or maybe he's going to bust out some secret kaminoan jujitsu or something like that (laughs) fight his way out of there he's going to long neck himself I mean, he's been around a bunch of uh, a bunch of warriors for the past twenty so odd years. So what's to say he hasn't taken some you know self defense classes? So Maybe. I'm with you. I don't think he's I don't think he's dead because like they 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 held on that door and I I went that shut and I was like, you know, this is where you'd hear a blaster noise and mm-hmm. I think that would send That's the message. Point. But they just hung on the door being closed and then they they just cut to the next scene. So it, it is it is up for debate whether what's what his future. But I think that they would still have more value for keeping him alive than necessarily just offing him right i mean it's very possible he's broken out by one of the most uh incredible politician stealers slash child stealers uh cad bane uh could maybe Mm. make a comeback because he was most likely hired by by him right whereas fennec shand was hired by nala say so um i could totally see that being the case all right let's get to the the last portion of this plot here good points um as the bad batch is trying to escape the daro facility with gregor Hunter falls from the ship and is confronted by a squad of troopers in the nearby forest. Though Omega screams to tell Tech to turn, turn the ship around and grab him, Hunter commands his team get out of there. And much to Omega's dismay, they blast off into hyperspace. 
Hunter is then captured and taken to a cell within the facility where he's confronted by none other than Crosshair, who he's not surprised to see at all. And Crosshair says, I was hoping for the whole squad, but you'll do. The episode ends on that cliffhanger of Crosshair and Hunter glaring at each other, setting up the showdown that really we've all been waiting for. And there are only two episodes left in this uh, potentially first season. So while I do have one more question, obviously related to all that, I'm going to save it for our prediction segment. So let's get to our final rating for this episode. I want to know what are your overall thoughts and final score, which for this episode, we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five TK Troopers. Darcy, let's start with you. Well, like I said, I was blown away by this episode. I loved basically everything about it. The animation, the music, the plot, stuff like that. Like the, the stakes were raised even higher. We had a continue like a setup for a big story going forward. Basically, every, they've ticked all the boxes that, I, that I've been complaining about the last four or five episodes yeah. that we keep talking about. Yeah. So it was very satisfying to get all of that finally like as we're nearing the end they're they're clearly building up to having like a solid story to close out the season uh so yeah that's gonna definitely bump it up for me I, i'm definitely sitting at like a four point like four point five tk troopers out of five because again this is such a great opening for the the end of the season and i really hope that they they manage to you know carry out with what they've set up because everything about this episode was just done so well absolutely yeah, yeah. justin um, yeah, I, I exact same sort of sentiments. I'm, I'm happy that we have an episode that is, has some story to it, that has some meaning to it. There's some stakes, there's some, uh, some consequences, there's things that are, are going to happen. Um, the only downfall is that this is the third last episode. Um, and you know, when you look at the bigger picture of this entire show, and I think, you know, we haven't seen the last two episodes, but taking those into consideration, I feel like this first season should have just been eight episodes because we got a lot more of our episodes were more filler than they were, you know, meaningful. But that being said, this episode, they, they did it, they did it right. And this is Star Wars, in my opinion, this is what I've been wanting as, as Darcy said, for all the last few episodes that we've gotten. So I would give this, uh, a solid four out of five TK Troopers. All right. How about yourself, Sevens? Uh, well, copy-paste everything you guys have said, 100%. I think we're all in agreement <laughs> there. Uh, but the only thing I'm going to... The only other thing I'm going to add on to that, uh, just to not uh, be redundant there, is uh, there's it's, it's there's a delicate balance when it comes to trying to incorporate fan service as well as not alienating a new audience. And I think that this, this show, just like myself as well, right? On, on the heels of Mandalorian in terms of a new Star Wars TV show coming out, there's a lot of new watchers. And to know that... There, all of the little fan pieces that we're getting. We have the painting on the uh, clone trooper, uh, the clone commander for Scorch. We have from um, you know clone commandos from before. We have uh, you know the callback to the uh, concept art for the stormtroopers from you know A New Hope. All of these little pieces that are making us go crazy are not alienating anyone else. And so to layer that level of complexity, that fan service without alienation, and that very ever so delicate balance between the two. That is so commonly not done properly uh, in so many different forms of media. I think for that alone, and the many, many, many ways they did that, from the music to the art to the design to the story, everything, I'm going to go ahead and agree with uh, Jones. I'm going to go with a 4.5 TK Troopers out of 5. It deserves extra points for skillfully pulling that off. I love it. I love it. I'm going to copy, cut, and then paste all of that. 
Uh, and just reiterate, yeah, the sense of scale in this episode was awesome. Seeing them climb up that mountain was awesome. Again, Jesse, to your point, you see where the budget went for this uh, section of, of the series. Um, and yeah, the callbacks to the original trilogy are perfectly done. Them, those music cues, the visuals, the just showing the evolution of this universe. And this episode ends on a cliffhanger. Right, and that that really is going to allow them to finish strong with a three episode arc, and that's what really makes me so excited. It was cool to see this pivotal moment that we'd kind of been waiting for throughout the series, um, seeing some of the final steps into the transition of the Galactic Empire, and so I think this again was what Episode Ten should have been, using the themes of rescue, but actually giving us a narrative that really mattered overall. Um, I think, you know, this episode is getting us back on track and I just really hope that it's a track that keeps going (laughs) after this arc is completed in these final two episodes. So as long as they can keep this momentum going narratively, um, I just think this was fantastic. It it brings us refreshingly back to the level of quality we expect from Dave Filoni and from Star Wars. And while it isn't perfect, I'm so much happier with this type of episode than most of the series. Uh, So I'm giving this episode a 4.5. TK Troopers out of five. Now, at the end of most watch clubs, we like to speculate what we think is going to happen next in a segment we call What's Gonna Happen, Batch? Uh, So, with this week's episode uh, ending and we see the setup for that final showdown between Hunter and Crosshair, my question for you, Batches, is how do you think this is going to play out? And will we actually see Hunter turn Crosshair uh, in these next couple episodes. Well, um, I don't know how that whole situation is going to play out, so I'll leave that for you guys to, to fill me in. But I do think that the next episode is going to start with Omega feeling guilty uh, about losing mm. Hunter. Because if you recall in last week's episode, I, I had mentioned that her kindness was actually going to be a detriment to herself or her team. She's going to be angry at the rest of the crew for abandoning him, basically. Yeah, but she's also going to feel guilty, right? Because she's the one that pushed for it, right? It's her fault. It's her, she didn't, you know, he was uneasy about going and she said, no, we should, we should do it, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that, if anything, from the last episode is something that you could pull and, and connect into this one is that, you know, they did it, it worked out. This time, they did it. It didn't work out. And she's going to feel feel that. So she's going to feel guilty. And she's going to feel more compelled to want to get uh, Hunter back. And I think they're obviously going to go find Rex. They're going to connect with Rex. And I think they're going to uh, get their forces a little bit stronger so that if they do decide to go back in there or make the next move, whatever that might be, uh, they'll do it with, with him and kind of leading the force, I think, because, you know, I don't I don't necessarily like Hunter really is the leader of that pact. So it's going to be interesting to see how how discombobulated they feel from losing their leader. Absolutely. Just uh, just building off what Justin says, I feel like it would I wouldn't be surprised either if they decide like if Omega once she gets over her guilt or anger or whatever it is, if she steps up to be the the the, the one to sell, like bring the group back together oh, and cohesive because She's been looking after up to Hunter for so long, and they've made it clear in this episode too with the knife flip and everything like that. Like Hunter is her main idol, so yeah. hopefully after she gets over her, you know, childish stuff because I mean she is a child. She's gonna feel guilty. She's gonna feel angry, like we we said. But once she gets past that, it'd be cool to see her step into the That's, role of yeah. again being the heart of the team, yeah, being the leader. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, just going back to that whole setup with Hunter falling out, it was very foreshadowing the entire episode. The fact that Hunter was so against it, you could tell he knew, like you, you tell something was going to happen to him specifically because of how much they were like 
drawing attention to the fact that oh, yeah. he was like not he was super uneasy about the whole thing from the get-go 100 percent. so yeah i how it's going to pick up with crosshair stuff like that i have no idea uh it's hard to say i mean is crosshair still feeling the effects of the chip like does he want to see hunter so he could talk to him or is it more just to use him as bait now like i i'm it's really up in the air which way it's going to go with crosshair it well, seems we got a good look at the side of his head there and like you mm-hmm. were you were you were saying that you know his inhibitor chip could have been damaged from that confrontation um on that in episode um, eight yeah in yeah. episode mm-hmm. eight yeah um so like who knows how that's going to play into you know uh the remaining few episodes or a couple episodes that we have here Mm-hmm. Well, it's just like just going to show like he did. He didn't follow an order in the the one episode on Ryloth when they were saying go out and get everybody. He said no, no, no. I'm going to stick to my gut and stay here. So like that's, mm-hmm. that's according to the mm-hmm. the whole good soldiers follow orders. Didn't he think of that. Didn't follow an order there. So that's the way. That's that's where I'm building off of the which way is Crosshair going to go? And it's, to me, it's still very up in the air for that. So hmm. yeah, I have no predictions of on that scale because because it's so up in the air in my opinion. Jesse, what are we going to see in the rest of the series? Uh, I agree with the uh, ambiguity around Crosshair. I think that intentionally they've left the book too wide open to narrow it down. Anything across from there is more of the story to be told. I, I really have no no uh, thoughts, neither here nor there on it. Um, I'm just excited to see what, what happens. The, the one thing I'm excited for, and I think that I've been waiting for this part of the story to kind of come to fruition, is where is omega's value like we know very specifically what each one of the um the the troopers in bad batch like why they're different right and they are they are designed different and those intentional differences have created such a fantastic squad what is it about omega that makes her an actual like a valuable part of the squad other than the fact that she's sentimentally a deficient clone herself in some way right like what is the actual value there yeah, what's her purpose yeah what's her yeah. purpose yeah other than just i'm a child yeah and, and that that they're mm-hmm. and that they're taking care of her right like i think darcy actually might have something there where you know in the lack of hunter as being the leader she's going to really step up and and really you know start exemplifying everything that she's learned Oh, yeah. And just uh, thinking back to Rex there, if you're saying whoever said that they're going to team up with Rex to go back and get him. I just now realized maybe Rex was off rescuing Wolf or getting Wolf because we know that those three are together when we see them next in Rebels. So it'd be interesting to see when they get back up with Rex to be like, oh, I just got Wolf back out of a tough situation. We'll go back and get the guy we Ooh, left behind. I love that. Yeah. We're going to see him again. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, we're we're going we're gonna to see, yeah. see Rex because especially the way he ended that transmission. He's like, I gotta, I'll got i talk mm-hmm. to you later. Right? And he just left. So he was already in a situation on his own. And he's like, yeah, I'm a little tied up. I, I can't be in two places at once. Do you mind you know, flying over and helping <laughs> out uh, this guy while I take care of some stuff here? Like Whatever he's doing, to your point, Darcy, has some sort of correlation or tie to what, what they're also doing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, Batches. I want to give my Batchy thoughts on not batch only what's going to happen. Listen, Batch. <laughs> not only what's going to happen in the next two Batchin episodes, uh, but maybe the next two seasons, seasons? of this series. Yes. yes uh, okay. I'm, I'm willing it into, into the existence. Here. Just listen here. Okay. I think I called it in far, one of our. Far away. I think I called it in one of our previous episodes <laughs> that Hunter would be put into a position to see Crosshair redeemed, but in secret, just between him. And I think Crosshair is going to die in the next two episodes, and he's going to have a moment where Hunter knows 
where his heart was, but but the, the rest, rest of the, the batch yeah. doesn't, right? Again, building to that sort of Vader-esque sort of redemption arc. Now, I also believe that Camino is going to be destroyed and that maybe the Kaminoans, the ones that do survive, go back to that abandoned facility we saw earlier in the season um, and maybe start to work on their next project for the Empire, which is Palpatine's contingency plan, which if you've read the comics or you've played Battlefront 2, you know that like that's got to be at least the starting of this. And while we don't get to like someone like Admiral Rax until you know much further into the future, maybe that's building into maybe we put that into a season three, right, leading into the first order, and you have this lovely season one, season two, season three show. But I'm just saying, like we got three seasons from from other animated Star Wars, so why not for why not for this season, this uh, group? I just think that would be super cool to tie it all together and still have that focus on troopers building into then the first order in that third season talking about building into the first order and stuff like that if you've read any of the books like phasma goes into that story about where they uh, basically kidnap all the orphans or kids across the galaxy to bolster the first order ranks so it'd be interesting to see if they do manage to connect that far jump because again the first order is was completely separate or almost completely separate from the emperor until we see snoke's appearance uh, in in the force awakens yeah. so like the it's first a different order was generation just, it's a different yeah. generation it would be it'd be interesting to, a new series to see that jump yeah, yeah, it'd be, it, yeah would, it would be weird to connect the two within this show but i would down to be see uh, i would be down to see that in a future show or something like that yeah nate's pulling straws here i'm just saying though like season two we we get uh we get what's his name from fallen order cal kestis, kestis. into the season yes. two right we we've already seen them pull from the mandalorian like right like they're gonna pull these characters from all over the place, how cool would that be to kind of build that in? It would be a big deal if they pulled in a game character because have they done that thus far? In, well, the, in, I, in animated yeah. to, I think pulling Scorch from Clone Commandos is the first, like to see every, from a public commando, right? Yeah. And like, and mm-hmm. and, and yeah, like, I don't think the story of that game is canon, but the character now is right or was right. when they then, when there was a nice, the whole thing like, with Easter Savage egg, Press, almost, right? Yeah. And then Battlefront yeah. Two, we had, and I know this is again far into the future after the, the destruction of the second Death Star, but we had um, Iden Versio from Battlefront Two, so maybe she shows up in the season three, right? Like I just think you it's want such them a to great bring in that way. gaming that gaming world absolutely, into canon. Yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah. flesh out the canon, flesh out these stories because they're ripe for the picking, and Filoni knows that. And we talked about these gray areas that Star Wars loves to flesh but out. I, I see that as three separate shows. No, what Nate wants is an Infinity Wars Star Wars edition. <laughs> yeah, of course. I yeah. think I think it'd be cool if they do do like a, a, a series or something like that is like the contingency plan, and we see maybe like even them pulling in some of the the Star Killers stuff from force unleashed where they, they're they trying to make a force sensitive cre- uh a clone and that's where we have the grogu storyline from mando kicking in because they're still trying to perfect that technology like again that seems like a whole separate show that i'd be down to watch it would just be odd to explore that from the bad batch's side because how that's many times the do they find their way into the story yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah i feel like i feel like that's a lot of like background like even even as big as as you know, Camino is in 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 this in this series. It's not as big as as, as the focus of the Bad Batch, right? So, you know, I, I do think that what we are seeing are the hints, very much like we did already in in the Mandalorian, the hints of cloning being something that is a a secret private project that the Empire has continued 
for for generations and you know to see it in mandalorian and know where the mandalorian takes place you know after return of the jedi but before the force awakens and now to be here you know amidst uh you know the transition of of clones to to stormtroopers and see that cloning is still a a, a a matter of fact of of what the empire wants it already creates this real strong sense and this show is doing such a good job at kind of reminding you about the different tropes within star wars like cloning yes but also politics like the politics is so ingrained in star wars as as being its definitive element that carries through everything so to see how it's all kind of mixed into this this show jesse said it like they they did it masterfully in this episode where they were able to kind of incorporate all of those important elements to just you know while while also not making it overwhelming for for anyone right so yeah, yeah or it's kids like it's that it's, are watching and don't understand yeah, any sure. of the politics exactly mm-hmm. right. yeah but it's like it's like you know star wars is hero's journey uh politics uh, westerns and samurai movies. That's that's your that's your oh, recipe. And things right that there. go pew pew. It, it, and things yeah, that it's, go it's, pew pew. Yeah, it's your typical high fantasy. Just it's set in space for once. Because if you look at like Game of Thrones or or Stormlight Archives, any of the big stories, it's all political. Like that's that's what drives all these wars and stuff like that. There's always political reasoning behind it. So just seeing that carried over and continue to be carried over into Star Wars is really again drives home the fact that it's not just your your shooty space story. It's it's a it's a fantasy story with wizards and knights. Yep. told in space so yep. it's it's really cool to, for them to keep like, slamming that home being like we're we're a fantasy series it just happens to be we have, in the stars we have gotten so far off track of nate's, listen, yeah, nate's you quest. batches so far <laughs> listen can we blame you batches. For that one <laughs> yeah yes, i blame him can. entirely yeah. Yeah. no <laughs> listen i wanted to stop nate. at season three you guys went into the history and the lore anyways uh, that is it for our 14th episode <laughs> of our Watch Club for Star Wars The Bad Batch. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Watch Club, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts if you haven't already. And if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in Watch Club, well, you don't have to rescue a stranger just because your old friend sent you a voicemail, then you realize you're being replaced, and then you get captured by your ultimate frenemy. Instead, Justin, can you let the Batches know where they can reach us by hollow message? Why, of course. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest content released on Disney+, Plus out now including our spoiler-free review of Disney's Jungle Cruise uh, and our review for The Green Knight. Uh, we're talking Disney about related. fantasy. Not Disney-related, yeah. but The Green Knight is, <laughs> if you want to check that out as well, we've got that review out, and I highly recommend that you give it a listen before you, uh, you dive into it because it might not be exactly what you think it is. So go give those a listen and leave a five-star review if you don't mind. Justin, Darcy, and Sevens, or Jesse, thank you so much for joining me for this Watch Club. And as we say, good soldiers, follow orders. orders.